A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Free State, everybody. Joe is currently gorging on his Christmas sheep nuts, so I've just put down the spiced beef and the granny sweets to come over and introduce our best of show for Christmas week. Um, I want to thank everybody who's listened and got in touch over the last eight months. We've really been overwhelmed by the response to the podcasts, and so today we're just putting out a few of those best bits from 10 Joe Brawleys in a Bucket, a horrific sight, to the end of the year with the equally horrific idea that Joe Brawley wanks dogs. Anyway, thanks so much again from myself and Joe for listening to us and supporting us during the year. I was doing a GA night one night, you know, yeah. a, a funny talk on stage and then question and answer, blah, blah. And this fella came up to me and he said, Joe, he said, I've got to tell you this story. You know, I, I've never met you before. I said, no, no, what's your name? He told me, he said, blah, blah. And he said, look, um, you know, I went on one of those life coaching trips in Peru to take Ayushka. Yeah. And he said, um, he said, it was all really weird. I'd sort of believed in it, but it was very weird, he said. And you're, you, you believe it all at the time. And he said... You know, you had to purge yourself, so we had to, we took an anemetic and we vomited, and and then you know you didn't eat for the day beforehand to prepare yourself for the sacred ritual. And then he said, the next day, you know, it was really very exciting. You were you were there with other people, and you were swept up with it, and you know you were going to embark on a new life. And then we were given the ayushka, and you were given a bucket to vomit into because it makes you vomit very forcibly as part of the you know, after effects before you you start to experience your high. Mm. And then you've got this, he said, light out of body, where you just leave your body, you leave your, your mortal body. Yeah. It's basically a major hallucinogenic, you see. So then he said, so I'm in the middle of this trip and the next thing I can find myself looking into the bucket that I vomited in, right? I'm conscious of this. And in the bucket of my vomit... I see 
ten tiny Joe Brawleys. <laughs> this is not a joke. Holding hands and dancing around and around in a circle. That's lovely. Joyously. I said to him, you know, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Why would there be anything wrong if your thesis is right? Why should Michal Martin not apologise to the British in a public address? Between 1919 and 1921, we committed horrific atrocities. We left widows. We killed children. You know, we had a campaign of assassination in your capital city. You know, and what we have done to our eternal shame is to glorify those people. Michael Collins is a national hero. We have statues in his honour. We celebrate it every year. Dan Breen, a notorious IRA assassin, threw in the ball in an All-Ireland final. Our, our most cherished cup, the Sam Maguire Cup, is named after an Irish Republican Brotherhood terrorist. We apologise to you for the terrible wrongs we did to you as a people. Now, is that fucking ridiculous or not? Because there's a different context. Why is there a different context? Because we're Northern Catholics and we were genocidal sectarians. Is that why? No. Uh, Because if you're talking about a united Ireland, you're talking about the people. There's a million people on this island who that might have some impact with. You're talking about tokenism. Sorry? You're talking about tokenism. What are the important things that have happened in the North? Okay. The IRA renounced the gun. Yeah. That's the most important thing. That was the most important thing. Move immediately into, into, into peace. In my view, historically, the most successful peace process in the history of the world and a model for peace processes everywhere there is conflict. That's not tokenism. That's real things that make a real difference to people's daily lives, to my daily life, to my children's daily life. Not one of them knows a thing about the troubles. First one was born in 2000. Mm. Nothing, nothing. Their friends are Protestants. They're socially, uh, or they're socially and sexually advanced. They're so far away from where we were. You know, those are not token things. I'm uh, walking away after that in a world of my own, walking down O'Connell Street and then across and walking towards Harcourt Street. And I see a a priest, a relatively young priest, (laughs) walking towards me wearing earphones and I could see that he was talking so I assumed he was on the phone Not I would you know say hello to a priest you know sort of begging and uh, as he's walking past me he says out loud there's that cunt Joe Brawley (laughs) 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 so This woman who was walking along beside me, who knew I was, obviously, she, she just looked at me. I was like, I looked at her, I was like, what the fuck? And we both burst out laughing. Honestly, I was wheezing with laughter. And he, as he just, as he walked And he, did, he didn't know, no qualification, no uh, assumed, clarification. No, I assumed he was on the phone. He must have been, maybe he was on the phone. Maybe he was there's, talking to his bishop. There's that gun too, probably, you see, so... After about half a minute, you know, and I said, "What the hell?" And she says, "What the hell?" Like it was just so bizarre from a priest, a man of the cloth. So, so I, I got myself together and strolled on, and just I spent the evening smiling again. But also, you know, 
And I told I told the glamorous brunette that night. She said, "God," she said, "You know, I mean, it's so odd." You know, she said, "I wonder." <laughs> she said, "I." W- I wonder, was he a stripogram on his way to him? I thought she didn't look like a stripogram. And was he, he was a young yeah. priest. Youngest child, he was in his 40s. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so this morning, myself and the glamorous brunette, before she, she was heading off to work in Galway, you see, she was heading off in the train. So we were having a coffee this morning in the Ivy beside the Lewis. And I think to myself, oh, while we're having coffee, while we've ordered it, I'll go out and get my Lewis ticket, you see. So, and who do I spy? <laughs> <laughs> who do I spy? <laughs> but, but the priest. The cunt, okay. the cunt the priest, you see. So anyway, <laughs> as I would, which I would have done the previous day, except it was yeah. so, you know, overwhelming. So I make a beeline for him across the street. Of course you do. <laughs> and he's, walk, he's wearing the same headphones. <laughs> he sees me coming. You can see him thinking, oh, fuck. And I said, Father, how are you? And I stood, you know, I sort of put a ha- uh, my hand on his right elbow. And I said, I couldn't help but overhear you yesterday calling me a cunt. <laughs> and he said, he said, he said, oh, he said, oh, jeez, because he's, Oh no, I, I didn't mean that at all. I said, I said, I, I, did, I did wonder about that, Father. What did you mean? He said, Oh, he said it was a term of of, of endearment. <laughs> I said, and I said to him, I said to him, I said, it, it, it's, a, it's a very unusual term of endearment, Father. And uh, you know, wh- what do you mean by that? And you could just see him thinking. Oh, fuck me. So I sort of let him off the hook and say, oh, absolutely no problem, Father. Which, of course, I did. I said, of course, Father. Look, I, 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 look, I, 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 I knew it must have been met in that spirit. And you could just see the poor man thinking, oh, my fucking Jesus. It's an unusual Get. term of endearment. I asked him his name. I asked mm. him his parish. His I, rank. I wished, I wished him good luck in his ministry. And 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 I I I I told him that it would remain, it would remain our secret, which is why I haven't given any details that might reveal who it is. Dublin had fallen completely into the doldrums after '95, and you know hadn't won a Leinster for seven years, and so back winning Leinster's was a big thing back in 2002. People kind of forget that we'd gone so far that we couldn't even win a Leinster title for seven years. So, um. There was a lot of good work going on in clubs like my own club, Kilmacud, had both started to do serious work. DCU had started to do serious work. So all of a sudden in 2005, you had a Sigerson was won by largely Dublin players involved in 2006, like Stephen Cluxton and them were involved in that. Then you had Vincent's won an All-Ireland club, followed by Kilmacud winning one. So that that hadn't happened either for 20 years. Do you know what I mean? Like we weren't winning All-Ireland clubs. But the group that we went into, I, I think they had gone to where they could possibly go. Uh, physically, they couldn't take the elite level of training. It wasn't that their preparation wasn't there, but you just couldn't take it. They, were, they would break down. And, you know. Was there not something about you taking them? You decided, I think, after 2010 or in 2000, after 2009, which was a full disaster. In 2010, did you not, was there not something about six weeks in a row in the morning? Well, see, what we did in 09, we had a great Leinster final. We we down to 14 men and we won. We beat Kildare. We were a decent team at the time. 
and then we got hammered in the quarterfinal and you know physically they were in good shape but mentally there was definitely issues there and I remember writing a list that night saying these fellas will never play for Dublin again and I think of the list of 11 I wrote nine of them have seven all our lives. <laughs> so it goes to show you your clarity of thinking after getting hammered on a... On a I'll tell you how bad things got Pat Rangby and he says, he says, he says, what to meet you after 2009, do you remember? Yeah. He says, are we met in Cavanaugh's on the old Malahide Road? We were there anyway. Pat was annoyed, you know, because he's, you know, like anyone who loves their country, he takes it very personally and we talked about what was wrong and the culture and all of that. We talked it up and down. Pat was very prickly that evening. Don't know if you remember. I do. And I had talked to him about, you know, there were players there who quite clearly, you know, were, I thought, putting themselves before the, the mm. team. And we had a very long conversation, as you do with Pat. You know, and he probes and probes and probes and probes. <laughs> and I said... He, then, he, he just lost his temper with me. And I said, you know, I, I see the team's future, Pat, you know. I think you could do, definitely do three in a row burn cups as I was leaving. And he shouted out to me, go and fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> We've spoken before about Michael Dara. I mean, I'm very friendly about my, yeah. with Michael Dara. I mean, you characters like that who, who just, you know, they're, they're once in a lifetime characters. But they were hilarious. Tell us about they were hilarious. Tell us about Michael Dara sort of well, well, uh, arri- but, arriving into the. But, but you had so many different guys like Rory O'Carroll, Michael Dara McCauley, I think Niall Corky was there for two years of it, like Jer Brennan. These guys, they didn't know the opposition, truly. <laughs> so we were playing Tyrone in that league game, and we said <laughs> in the quarter final of the All Ireland, and we said to Michael Dara, "You're picking up Sean Kavanagh. Who's he?" <laughs> <laughs> and he was not joking. So our stats guy had to get pictures for a few of them so they knew their face. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Like Rory O'Carroll was like, who's he? Like, you could call him. Michael Dara didn't know who Sean Kavanaugh was. Did not know. And, you, detail, and, detail and you had to actually was. get a photograph we got of Kavanaugh. pictures of, for him, Noel Corkery, Rory O'Carroll, <laughs> tell him who they were marking. put them in a wee, in a wee book, you yeah, know, a wee, a wee know, folder of pictures. They just didn't believe in any of that stuff. They didn't read the paper. They, they didn't get... They, they didn't get sucked into the whole yeah. They had lives outside of football, yeah. big time. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Which was so important. Michael, oh, Dara, Michael Dara had always struck me. I mean, and I, I, I love and admire Michael Dara very greatly. You know, his work with organ donation and his work in the inner city and all the things that he does, all his altruism. I mean, we recently went to that mm. kick racism out day that he was running. Mm. And, you know, it's just, it just yeah. typifies him giving, yeah. giving off himself for the sake of doing good, yeah. you know, not with, with, with no return. But, I mean, I, I would have thought that at its base level, Michael wouldn't actually have much interest in football. He's more interested in the whole idea of throwing yourself into something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Well, he, 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 I, I won't say exactly when the game was, because I, I, I can't remember which game it was, but we were playing a big game. Anyway, championship. It was either a semi-final or final, <laughs> right? And he comes to me the day before, he says, I'm playing a basketball match tomorrow. I said, we're playing on Sunday, that's Saturday. <laughs> he goes, yeah, but I promised the lads. I said, like, is it a team? He says, no, no, no. He says, it's kind of a little road league kind of we have going. <laughs> I said, Michael. He says, I just have to put you clear. He says, no, I'm not really that big into the guy. <laughs> and I'm going, right. 
fair enough. I said, just play it, but don't tell anyone. I said, just don't tell anyone. So he played away and then he played like a demon on, on, on the weekend. So he was a different, totally different guy. And I mean, I'm extremely fond. I, to be honest with you, all of them. They, they, but he was so, he was so, also so powerful. I mean, oh, he was. If he, if he picked up a player, he put that player out a bit. He was a brilliant, brilliant athlete. He was. But tell, uh, and always with a smile, but tell, tell the story about him. It's one of my favourite stories, but I would I would hate to tell it to butcher the one about him arriving on the morning of either a semi-final or final. This is all Ireland. Yeah. And he didn't have his boots. Well, we were in the dressing room. <laughs> and I'm, I, you know, you get to go through all the routine, put your boots on, everyone puts their boots on. I'm seeing him in his socks and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> So I said, come over here. And I went into the toilet. I said, what's the story? He said, no boots. <laughs> uh, I'm roughly the same size. Man. Like, we all had the same boots, same runners. You know, you yeah, get yeah. the things from Adidas or whoever. Uh, so <laughs> I said, I, you better, I said, I've no runners now to wear out. So I said, you give me your runners, I'll, you take, and I'll give you uh, my boots. So anyway, he wore them. And didn't bother him. Like, I'd say I was a size bigger than him. Like I'd say I was a 13, he was a 12. And uh, not a bother on him. No. You know, it was just like, ah, oh, well. And he went out and played. It didn't had no effect. Another fella that would drive him mad. Yeah. None of that. That's all peripheral stuff. Dude. Just yeah. let he's, me go out like, and play. He's like a child in the playground. I mean, I he's do. an exceptional person. He really is. He's um, I, 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 He wasn't on his own. There, there, there's a, there's a, a lot of them there that even back then, before they'd won anything, I mean, there was fellas running soup kitchens down and with... Brother Kevin and they were going over doing like other things out with sick kids out in Malahide. No publicity. No, not for that. They were I doing it for the real. When I wasn't drinking, I was thinking about drinking. When I was drinking, I was thinking about not drinking. Yeah. It, it, so it, it upset. It was it was the great obsessive thought yeah. in my head, and I f- I thought that was the kind of the deal. I thought that's as good as it kind of, you know, if you could stay off it and just spend your time thinking about it, when are you going to, you know, how long is this going to last? So you, did, you, did, you, did you go into a facility then? No, I didn't. No. Okay. Uh, but I asked for help and I went, like, I will put, I'll say this, uh, I'm in recovery uh, and without question is the without question is the greatest best thing I've ever done everything everything I have in my life I have because of what I learned there not just in terms of stopping but everything I had in terms of how to actually I, you know, how to, a lot of my, like everyone, a lot of my drinking, a lot of everything was all about show and all about here I am, the fucking big man or the great guy and I've got this and let me let me buy you a drink and let me, you know, all this kind of shite. And you go in there and you talk about how, sh- how bad you're feeling and you might say, you talk about it and everybody laughs. You know, and they're not laughing. At, they're not laughing. At, they're laughing because they all they all relate. Are you some some crazy thought just going on in your head? You go, here's how crazy. This is the crazy stuff I was thinking about today, and everybody laughs. And you learn that you can actually develop these as 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 Colin O'Gara called it. You know, those those mutual support groups. You can develop. 
this fellowship, which is also another word for friendship. Yes. You can develop these friendships through actually telling you're people... Not, you're not alone. Yeah, but also telling people who you are. And the, be, I, the, best, fr- the best friends I have in, in my life today are people I've met there. Uh, you know, the godfather to my son, you know, these are the people I met. And the reason they are is not because... It's because you find yourself just talking to them during all the normal shit, you know? And so, like, your parent, your your father's dying, your father dies, terrible stuff happens, and you just call them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and sometimes it's like, yeah, like, I have a friend who he's like, we won't kill ourselves today, you know? Uh, it's like Nietzsche used to say that the thought of suicide got him through many a bad night, you know. And uh, but you say we won't do that today, and we won't pick up, we won't have a drink today, and you just regroup. The books that I like least are books that, that that try to make sports a metaphor for life, because sports are not a metaphor for life. If, if, I don't think life a needs a metaphor. That's a line. You yeah. wrote that in the sports writer. I hope I did. Yeah, you I believe it. It's yeah. one of those lines I wrote that I actually believe. People are always looking for that meaning in sport, aren't they? When it's yeah, it's, it's actually maybe yeah, it's the escape from the meaning. It's a dry hole, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but isn't there a sort of you know, isn't there a sort of glow that you feel, whether it's in your imagination or not? You know, say someone like Muhammad Ali that Mailer tried so desperately to be close to. Yes. You know, almost to, you know, to be in there. You know, the fact that he jogged with him, you know, in the in the in the run up to yeah. his epic fight. Yeah. In, 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 the, in Zaire was, yeah. was was four man. You know, even though he had six glasses of wine, you know, and had to had to sort of prevent himself from vomiting as he sort of trailed in Ali's wake. Yeah. And uh, and yet, you know, who could have described that fight? And who could have described Ali the way Miller did? There's something epic and unforgettable about that as well, surely. But it was a but it was from the outside in though, I think, um it, it was it was it was preservative of, of, of Ali's image, preservative of Ali's peculiar greatness, um, which only haphazardly corresponded with who the man was and yeah. how his life was. And I would be interested only in that. If I were gonna write about him, I would be interested in who the man was, but, or if I made someone up, that's what yeah. would interest Fear me. Cynic. His grandeur, his, 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 his celebrity, his glory would, would, would almost have only incidental relationship to those things. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're, you're obviously a cynic. I'm I mean, not. Who, who could, you can't be a novelist and be a cynic. Who could, you can, you can, you can who, be skeptical. Who couldn't bask in those words? You know, it is always a shock to see him in the flesh again. Ali. Yeah, the man, the world's most beautiful man, you know. And then the language of camp is doomed to appear. I did see him in the flesh uh, one time in, in Poly Pavilion in Los Angeles. He was standing down there. It was when he was out of boxing for the time that they kicked him out. Yeah. He was just there alone standing in Poly Pavilion. And I was sitting with my wife. I said, God, I said, there's the champ. I said, I, I just got to go down. And, and, and I don't know, I just want to touch him. I just want to meet him. And so I went down there. I was about 26 years old. And, I said to him, you know, stupidly, I said, champ, I said, uh, when are you gonna, who are you going to fight next? Because he hadn't fought anybody for a while. And he kind of 
he kind of looked away from me like this. <laughs> and all of a sudden he said, you sucker. And he, <laughs> and, and he, and he put this, he put this hand that, that was his, Big as a car fender in, in, in my face. And I just, I was just galvanized by it. You sucker. What a man. What a fighter. Oh, uh, yeah. He was a piece of work, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Great man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, man. Their case was, we did not know this money was coming from RTE. Right? Okay. Mm. The evidence at the pack on Thursday was, Noel Kelly was banging down the door for the next two payments of 75 grand. Why was he banging down RT's door? They said, that's untrue. Lynch said, that's not true. They were banging down the door. Yeah. And Kelly was asked, for example, Kelly was asked, what what percentage did you get for the Reynolds arrangement? Okay. So he's not disclosing what he got, but it could be anywhere from 15 to 35% because the overall fee that RT were charged was about 257,000. Okay. With Tuberty getting 150,000 of that. Question Did you benefit financially? That's not relevant. I'm going to ask you again Did you benefit financially? Kelly says that's not one of the issues and refused to answer the question. Mm. You know, and it's the, it's the contempt that they have. The, the, and I suppose what you have to do then, I suppose they circle the wagons, they do their best, they put out a paper thin statement. Ryan comes on and tells us that, although. <laughs> You know, although I got a, an enormous salary, it doesn't affect my soul. Oh, 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 little children are just, oh, they're all crying. And oh, 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 I thought he was going to fucking burst out crying. And I honestly would have gone down there myself and gone into that room and slapped him in the face. You see, I mean, I, and yeah. this stuff is shoveled out. And then you get these commentators, right? It's like, 
Oh, you know, I thought he was quite genuine in there. I think, you know, I think that he was quite genuine. And you've got this completely superficial analysis of it all, you know, and in fairness, in fairness to Fenton O'Toole, and, you know, Fenton's a very clever guy, forensically, very clever, brackets, he just knows fuck all about the North. This is the third time recently you've praised Fenton O'Toole. This is I, I, the goal I, of this it, podcast has to get Joe to But anyway, Fenton O'Toole absolutely nailed it in his column in the Irish Times um, about this. You know, and he said, you know, in the end, <laughs> Tumbrady resorted to the Father Ted defence. You know, that money was just resting in my account. Oh, you know, I didn't know that money came from RTE. You could have blown me over with a feather, knocked me over with a feather when I heard that money came from RTE that Noel Kelly was banging down RTE's door to get. All right? And, you know, I wondered why I never had to do those six engagements that I thought I had to do for Reynold. That was, I was mystified by that, you know. But now that all this has come to light, I might have to give that money back. <laughs> or do the six gigs. Or, or do the six non-existent gigs. Those would be good that, shows. That Reynold doesn't know anything about. They, they would be good shows if he showed would this up. Be a good time, would this be a good time? <laughs> would this be a good time to say, to say that Ryan is driving a brand new Reddit Capture, which has given him a passion for life. It's an extraordinary electric range of 295 kilometres on just a single charge. Is this, oh, it would be a good time to say that. That's very good. We're doing, you know, we're, Renault, we <laughs> are we do, available. Can we do we a are, competition we are, time? We are, we are unattached to the public purse, so yeah. just to say yeah. that we are available. Yeah, and that's the, another thing too. You know, this tawdry competition time. So I cannot have that. And you know, it's all the same. No, competition time. You know, Which famous Gaelic football county has lost six All-Ireland finals since 2012? Is it A, Mayo, B, Hellman's Mayonnaise, C, May Old Acquaintance Be Forgot, or D, May Day? Text three euro, no ISIS or Northern Nurse. <laughs> prize, prize, one night's bed and breakfast, brackets, breakfast not included, midweek nights only, Sunday not included, nor is Friday or Saturday, no Northerners or ISIS. See, I, I think it's interesting what you say about people um falling for the performance. Because I think I think it was it was it was genuine up to a point, but actually what it showed was that there was a kind of I said I said to somebody that it missed, lacked another dimension. Tuberty's performance. I said, "Yeah, he lacks a second dimension, let alone a third or a fourth. But I I interviewed him, and, and you know I I I I know him, and I've interviewed him, and I think that struck me when I interviewed him, which for my old podcast, uh, unfiltered, was how he was after the interview when he worked the office and he went in and he met everybody it's a, polit and he, it's a politician, politician and yeah. he is a politician and he kissed and, the babies if they're there and he, it was incredible like he, it was just an extraordinary uh, performance of just kind of making sure that and you could even see it you could see it a little bit in the Oireachtas making sure that he left that mm -hmm. building with everybody liking him but it's the trans you know? but, it's, but, but, it, but, there but was, it's but it's nothing deeper than that it's no the, it's the transparency of their behaviour I mean I love I love your county by the yeah. way yeah yeah I know oh, no no I know like, and was, but, but the thing I always remember and I I, I, I mean always, you know how much respect we have for the Oroctus. I always remember being struck by it sugary plums read out in, by the Rosa Tralee, he was know? in the wrong business I remember I remember Leo Varadkar came in to be interviewed about two weeks later and Leo couldn't do any of that stuff Leo went into the office to meet people and 
it was kind of endearing. It was kind of endearing. It was kind of endearing. You know what I mean? That he couldn't mm. actually do this plumosing that is meant to be second nature in your business. But he was far worse at it, certainly than than Tuberty. But the other thing I think, and I think this is this goes back to that point about how what Artie has become. Like there is a term called Hanlon's razor, which is that. Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. And I think in some ways, RTE, there are obviously elements in this story in particular where you think, right, there is there is, is something going on and there is collusion going on. But there is in general what has happened. I mean, you see it throughout this story and throughout RTE is just a failure really for anybody to do their job well. Yeah, but that's, you know, it, that's it, because... That's because once the cartel is established and it becomes cosy, right, and this small grouping controls RTE, okay, then, then all of the normal structures of discipline, monitoring, supervising go out the window. And so what you have here is people keeping their mouths shut, saying nothing, you know, then as soon as they're rumbled, they try to put a face on it. Then they then they start resigning one after the other. You know, as the whole thing starts to collapse, they become ill. They're not able to be there. You know, I mean, Tuberty and and Noel Kelly have made a show out of themselves. I mean, Alan Dillon from Mayo, the 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 the, the Mayo forward, um, uh, and very famous forward. He said um, he asked. I thought he was good. You know, because he asks short questions and he listens to the answer. He said, is there not collusion here in operation between RT and Noel Kelly? And he asked Paula Mullooly, who's the RT head of legals. And she said, yes, there is definitely misleading and a lack of transparency. And Adrian Lynch said, look, Ryan Tuberty doesn't owe another six events to anybody because nobody ever signed up for another six events. He's you know, desperate to do those events. Just he wants, he wants, let him out there. He wants to do them. He wants to do them because he knows that Reynolds' heart will be broken in tiny little pieces. <laughs> and and I, I just, it's and just the, his soul. It's just his soul. And the children so of Ireland and, will be upset if the toy man... Said, don't, don't mention the children. No, no, no please, don't mention it. I can't, can't take any more. Before we play our final clip, just felt it was worth introducing it. The final clip is from our interview with Michael Lewis, who we went into interview in the Marriott Hotel on a beautiful Saturday morning. And we spoke about his new book about Sam Bankman Freed, and we spoke about America and sport and lots of stuff. He was at the end of his book tour. We were the final interview, and he wanted it to be as broad as possible. We then asked him, about his daughter, Dixie Lee, who died in a car crash a couple of years ago. And he spoke about her for 10 minutes, about what he had learned and what he had found useful about surviving and about grief and what he hadn't found useful. And he spoke for 10 minutes and just at the end of the interview, after the interview ended, he said, I could speak about her all day. And I think it's a, fitting clip to end on because while this is a lovely time of year for many people it's also a tough time of year for lots of people and loss and grief plays a huge part in it in its toughness for so many so we thought we would end with this clip 
And thanks again to everybody for listening throughout the year. Yes, it's true. Dixie Lee Lewis was killed in a car crash. I can't do anything about it. But then what? You know? And um, so, I don't know. It's uh, everybody, everybody processes these things in a different way. So this is the other thing that, and I won't go on forever about this, but the other thing that instantly, almost instantly occurred to me uh, within days of Dixie's death um, it w- was that I was going to, that the various things people were telling me inst- very quickly about how I was going to, what I was experiencing, letters from parents who had lost children, giving me advice, books about grief, everything I looked at made no sense to me. And there's sometimes there were very specifically things wrong with them. Like a lot of people were saying, you're going to feel guilty for the rest of your life. And it didn't, it didn't even ever occur to me to feel guilty. There was no guilt around the event. I, I, it was a beautiful relationship. She was a beautiful child. I was a great dad to her. I loved her. She loved me. She had a great life as long as it lasted. And there was nothing I could have done to stop what happened. Uh, and I thought, well, there probably are circumstances where you do feel guilty. And these people had those circumstances in their experience, and they just thought that was universal. And I realized that this experience, it's actually not exactly universal. Loss, the feeling of loss is universal. Everybody will experience it. No one's going to dodge this bullet in their lives. But the particulars of the experience, how, they ter- how you feel about it, is going to turn on what your relationship was, how the, how the person was lost, how the person died who you are, how you tell your story. And I realized that I was facing a jungle and to get through that jungle, uh, there was one path and it was my path. There wasn't a path someone had cleared before me by writing a book about grief. There wasn't a path someone could lead me to because they had experienced the loss of a child that I had to pick my way with a machete through this jungle by myself and find the best path. And it was an individual sport and no one could help me. And that was liberating. It was like, this is going to be my story about Dixie and me. And I'm going, to fi- I'm going to do my best to figure it out. And that somehow freed me up to like move forward. Like, and uh, some people, when I said this, some people have been sort of, offended is the wrong word, but concerned. Like, don't we have a community of people who share a loss and you can derive strength from that? I think yes, sort of. I, I think, I think more generally, you really have to, you have to live it yourself. It's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a very personal experience and you have to, you have to put the words to it yourself.
Free State Podcast is a Gold Hat production in association with Swan McGee. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.